Thanks for listening to episode 163 of the 200 Churches Podcast. I can think of two people that I remember passing up on a list over and over when I was looking for somebody to do something. And I'd see their name and think, oh yeah, no, they're not going to, they, they don't do that stuff. And, I, and then finally one time I decided, no, I'm going to ask them. And I asked them and they said, oh yeah, sure, I'll do it. And they're like, you will? Oh, I, I mean, oh yeah, okay, good. You know, I tried not to, you know, show surprise. Don't too surprised, yeah. Uh, feign coolness, but, <laughs> and then they just, they, they wanted to. They just had never been asked. Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast, where every Wednesday we produce a fresh episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now here are two guys who, like you, serve in the trenches of small church ministry, the Gumby and Pokey of ministry podcasts, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. I am Johnny Craig, and I'm here in the opulent and luxurious podcast dungeon with my guy. Excuse me while I open up my oatmeal cream pie. I already had mine. You had yours. Heck yes, I did. This it was is fantastic. Our, this, is our, uh, this is our afternoon dessert. I love it. I'm not going to eat mine, though, because it's going to get caught in my throat while I'm trying to speak. My lunch was like six pieces of ham cube, so... I didn't I, say my name, did I? No, Cellophane Jane. Cellophane Jeff. (laughs) Jeff Cady. Here in the opulent and luxurious 200 Churches podcast studio. Did you even hear my joke? I called it a podcast dungeon. You know... I'll hear it when I edit the. You were podcast. already into the oatmeal cream pie to the point that you just couldn't. You know this that happens a lot when I'm editing the podcast. Yeah. Later on, sometimes days, weeks, or hours later, I hear these things that you say, and I think I never heard that when we were recording. I love that in the th- three and a half years that we've been together here. Yeah. 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 In the three and a half years we've been together, you've developed a filter for all the superfluous Johnnyisms that come out. I think that's true. <laughs> it's absolutely true you don't even hear like 60 percent of what i say I, you have a finely tuned filter that only pulls out the important pieces <laughs> i just saw this brita water filter commercial last night and the brita well actually it's not for that it's for this new one okay. and i don't know what the new one is okay but they show the lady with a brita filter and it's got a two-stage filter yeah you know and it, and it still has like dirty water after it comes out Ew. but the other filter is a five-stage filter oh, well, five stage and that they put the little meter in to the water and it says zero. The pH balance. There's, is there's just, but I don't know about the pH balance, but there's no contaminants in it at all. So I think that's what I have. I have like this Johnny staged filter <laughs> where I just don't hear all of your muckety muck right stuff. Out. I like that. That's good for you. My wife has that too. It's it's necessary. Those who know you best all have those filters, Johnny. It's good for them. Yeah. Hey, today it's you and me today. Just you and me. Before. Before we have our flood of guests. Yeah. Our yes. flood of get really? Our flood we've got a glut. It's like a it's like an iceberg log jam. And they've just been <laughs> gathering up yes. river. Yes. They and don't a, they don't know it yet. Well, some of them know it. But yeah. They don't they just don't know when the log jam's gonna be get That's busted. True. That's true. And they're all gonna start flowing down, but we've got this one more we've got this. week of just the two of us. Just the two of us. So today we're talking about things that people wish, things that people wish their pastors knew. Just normal people. Well, people that aren't pastors anyway. Just normal lay people. Lay people. Are we allowed to yeah. say lay people? Well, the normals. You know, I used to be a person that was, you know, clergy laity. Yes. And then I've 
then I was not one. And now you're back. Well, I'm leaning back toward that direction. <laughs> yeah, me too. Because honestly, most people don't like to do what pastors have to do. Amen to that. And pastors are called to do it. Some of it we don't like to do, but we do hey, it because that. Yeah. you know it's our responsibility. But yeah. others of it, I mean, it's what we do. It's what we do. I mean, we care for people. We preach. We teach. We yep. counsel. We help. Yeah. We assist. Mm-hmm. We shepherd. Shepherd. So yeah, yeah. So, so we're talking about four things. Four or five or three. The normal church attenders. Maybe we should say that too. That normal church attender people wish their pastors knew. Yeah. Well, the first one is. That pastors make people, sometimes pastors make people nervous. Say it ain't so. Yes. How could it be? They make people nervous. They do make people nervous. I've met these pastors that make me nervous. Yeah. Maybe it's, the, it, maybe it's not that they're pastors. Maybe certain pastors are the type of people that make other people nervous. That could be. But I'm like, I'm a pastor, and sometimes pastors make me nervous. Well, the person you talked to, though, said pastors just in general make him nervous there's something about the station of pastor that immediately brings with it some some it conjures up some image or some some visage there you go in the mind of a person and it makes them a little just a little i don't know just a little nervous a little nervous like you're not a hundred percent approachable now because you're a pastor i think it's good for us as pastors to remember you know, we're used to ourselves, yeah. we're used to people like us, we're used to our own kind, but regular people, <laughs> our, own <laughs> our own kind, pastors, right? No, I love it, yeah, yeah. Uh, regular people, th- most people don't think about what it, it means to be a pastor, what it's like to be a pastor, what they would think about themselves and others if they were a pastor, Yeah, and they just, you know, when they come around a pastor, they they have all kinds of thoughts yeah. that are preconceived in any number of directions but but they're just not like ours so it's good for us to remember that you know we're used to being in the ministry yeah other people just aren't so when we encounter people in the course of any given day they they're, they're going to have different reactions to us based upon their past and their history with pastors yeah and I, i'll make an admission when i first became a pastor i i think i did think maybe there was some special, I don't know, thing that would happen to me. Suddenly I would become super more spiritual or I, the problems that I had before, you know, uh, would go away or something would happen and then pastor and the skies would open up and, and it, everything would be different as a pastor. But it's not. I'm just me. But now in an office with a door that says pastor, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and so I I think people wonder, you know, can I be myself with a pastor, like I'm not a perfect person. Can my pastor know that I'm not a person? Should I put on airs with my pastor? Should I only show them the good parts of me? You know, what do I show to a pastor? And I think maybe some people it's they, they have baggage with pastors. That could be part of it too. And that's good for pastors to remember that the way that people react to us is not is not maybe anything to do with us, right? But it's everything to do with them and their past experience with another pastor. Yeah, exactly. So that's the first thing. Pastors make people nervous. Now, what do we do about that, that sometimes we make people nervous? Yeah, that's a great question. Because honestly, sometimes I think we we get nervous about how we're supposed to act around people. And are we supposed to act like the pastor 
or do we act like ourselves? Yeah. Are those two different things? Are they, like, yeah. Kind of like you said, when you first became a pastor, which is just a couple of years ago, so it's yeah. more recent in your Pretty mind. Pretty fresh, yeah. You, but you think, you thought maybe something would be different about you. Yes. You know, yeah, I, mean, I did. I, I did. mean, after all, you're a pastor. Now, now I'm a pastor. Right? And, and that's got to be something different. So mm-hmm. I think that as pastors, probably the best thing for us to be is the best version of ourselves that we can be. Okay. See, so I'm splitting that. I'm from 50-50 in that one. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. We still got to be ourselves. Yeah. But remember that you are somebody's pastor, so don't be yourself as you would be hanging out on the dock waiting for the truck to back in <laughs> and you're just shooting the breeze. You know, it's there. there is, there is a level of... Professionalism. Of, uh, yeah, decency. Can you say that? Decency. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, so, I mean, and because... You want your people to be able to look up to their pastor, to trust their pastor, yep. to, to have a relationship with their pastor, yep. to be able to feel like they can be themselves around their pastor, yep. and to be able to to feel like their pastor is not putting on any airs or masks or pastor uniforms when yeah. they're around them. Right. So the, I think the best way to have that happen is for us to be the best version of ourself that we can be, and the pastor part of it, that's just... That's just like steam. It's vapor. It just goes up and disappears, the pastor part of it. It's just us. And if we're loving people as a shepherd, and if we're leading people... You know, as an overseer, then yeah. then that's good enough. There, there, in other words, there is no pastor uniform. There's no pastor uniform. I, not no. that I know of. No, I and I think that's exactly right. And I I hear my generation saying that sounds so inauthentic. What about authenticity and all this different kind of stuff? I would say there. We this is natural for everybody. Whether you're a pastor or not, whether you are a lawyer, a doctor, whether you're a plumber, no matter what your profession is, you have some people that you are more transparent, authentic with than others. So as much as pastors make people nervous, there are uh, some church members who make pastors nervous. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. And, and I don't know how much of myself I could be around, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, person or whatever. And so uh, we're not saying don't be transparent, don't be authentic. You need people in your life who, who are, it's just you, you know, and they can see the worst version and the best version. We're always trying to be the best version, but they see any version and they love you and know you who you for who you are. But we're saying as a pastor, yeah, you want to be, you want to be the best version of yourself. I don't think that's a negative thing to say. No. No. We're not I mean, asking you to try really hard to be well, perfect or anything. What are the like alternatives? That. You know, yeah, what's right. the alternative to be the worst version? I think almost of as Christians, aren't we yeah. always, you know I mean, just recently I met with somebody in my office and and we sat down and uh I literally asked them the question in the course of the first part of the conversation. Yeah. Do you feel like you can be open with me? And they said, yeah, no, I do. I feel like it. I said, you know, I mean, it's just me. It's just us sitting here talking. Yeah. I say that all the time. I tell people, it's, it's just me. It, I mean, it's just it's just me and you. We're just sitting here talking. Then they look at your impressive commentary collection and know. Well, where I seat them, they have their back to my that's for the impressive best. array of yeah, that's academic for... resources. Instead, they see your ACDC poster. <laughs> yeah, that's helpful. Right. I think it makes right. you more down to earth. <laughs> my, my Tony Orlando and Dawn 33. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I do not have that in my no, office, no, by no, the way. No, you don't, no, you don't, by the no, way. No. Okay, so sometimes people want us to know that sometimes we make them yeah. nervous. Uh, pastors, men and women, let's let's try to not make people nervous. Let's do our part. 
Let's do our part. If some people I are going to be nervous, let's do our part to not make them. This feel episode nervous. has been so worth it already. Just after that first one, I I would let's, let's just, get to the next one okay. quickly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, two. This is the second thing that just normal church going people wish pastors knew is that people really enjoy and are ministered to by the relationships they've formed in church. This is good. This is a positive, great Takes the pressure off of us. Yeah, and I think that that's so important for us to remember because sometimes we feel pressure. Well, people, I want people to come to the church and be happy in the church, and the only way is if I, maybe this goes back to why people get nervous around pastors, if I perform the right way, if I look the right way, if the sermons are knocking out of the park every week, if we have the shiniest programs and the nicest whatever and the loudest drums or quietest drums, if that's more your thing, right? Whatever. But sometimes we think the only way that this whole church can work and the only way people can be connected is if we're atlasing the whole thing up on our shoulders. Guess what? People are there. For relationships and the relationships people have developed in church are dip dip the relationships people develop in church are deep and rich and that is a huge clue for people in the church i remember when as a youth pastor i found out that most of the students almost all of the students all the ones that i knew of anyway came to youth group because of their friends and not because of me it was a little bit humbling, you know. I thought, hey, <laughs> sure. I thought it was me when I had the red nose and the clown suit and we had the party and all the food. You figured the they were into that, yeah. And it actually wasn't their youth pastor at all. It was because, oh, well, Joe goes. That's why I go because he's going. Is Joe going? If Joe's not going to the activity, then I'm not going. I don't want to go without Joe. It's the same in the church that when some, when somebody leaves your church, it's not because you don't preach good enough messages. Right. And if it, And if they say that, they're they're lying, okay? Can Look I just at say you. that? Look they're at lying. You. It's no, it's because oh, yeah. they don't have it's because they don't have relationships in the church sufficient to keep them there. Yeah. I mean that's the reason. That's it. And so the people that are at your church are there because of relationships. Now, you want to keep a you want to keep an eye on some people who are are severing relationships one at a time. Maybe somebody dies, then somebody moves away, yeah. or somebody leaves the church, and you've got a person who had three or four good relationships. Now they've got maybe one or none. Yeah. And then when they say, "Hey, pastor, you're not really feeding me anymore in your messages, and I'm leaving," hmm. just look at the fact that no, they don't. All the ropes that they were tethered to the church with, yeah, they've all they've all come untied, or they've all been cut one at a time. So yeah. the reason why people are at our churches is because of, well, would you would you just think about that? Relationships. Can you imagine? Shocking. Relationships. It's, it's mind-boggling. It's not the theology, like you said. It's nope. not the sh- all the shiny stuff. Uh-uh. It's relationships. It's relationships. And I think this, what is also true is that people will put up with a lot at a church, yeah. a lot of stuff that you might not want them to put up with. But they'll, <laughs> right, yeah. they'll put up with it if they've got strong relationships. The deepest relationships I've ever formed have been formed, at least in part, due to church, due to where I was worshiping. This is borne out in Scripture. I mean, the Holy Spirit unites us with one another, right? We're going to have deeper relationships with people who we are worshiping with, who we are serving with, who we are uh, communicating about spiritual things with. I mean, this is really where so much of that good stuff happens. And it's important for us as pastors to know people are there. 
a lot for the other people. I mean, and that's a good thing, and we should foster that. So I guess that's the next, that's the idea. So what do we do with this fact that pastors or that people are at church and love the relationships they have in the church? Well, I think then we see our programs through a relational lens. Yeah. So we, we say, hey, if relationships are important, how does this, how does a Sunday morning when almost, you know, when the most people are there at once, how does what happens on a Sunday morning foster relationships? Yeah. You know, and how does, how does what happens on a Sunday morning elevate uh, the fact that we honor and value relationships? Yeah. Maybe that's saying the same thing. I don't know. But it's, I'm saying creating a culture that relationships are important and that people would, without even it being said, if they had to stop and think about it, oh, well, yeah, well, we do this and we do this and we do this. Yeah, I guess relationships are important. Right. And then even in all the other programs of the church, you know, throughout the week. Yeah. When we evaluate, what if we ask the question, how does, how does this activity, how does this ministry, this program foster relationships? I think that's great. I went to a church and the, the main greeter, uh, it was actually the pastor's dad, and I called him the connector. Connection man would be his super super name or whatever. But he would always he would talk to somebody and you would give him a nugget in that conversation. Oh yeah, uh, I'm in law school. Oh yeah, I work at Wells Fargo. Oh yeah, whatever it is. He had like a rolodex of information about other people in the church. Like, oh, you work at a bank? That guy works at a bank. And he would always bring people together and start these little mini conversations nice. all That's over the great. place on a Sunday morning. He did a great job. So you know, thinking through how can we do that in our churches and connect people and foster and encourage relationships. Let's just help a good thing. It's like putting fertilizer on your plants, man. They're growing already. Let's just help it along. Like, let's make relationships a key component to what we do at the church. Okay, we interrupt this regularly scheduled episode. Oh, boy. For this of information. Johnny, I was listening to a podcast again this morning. Most mornings I listen to at least a portion of a podcast episode. 60% of your life is filled up with podcasts. <laughs> yeah, it seems like that, yeah. right? It's not true. It's not true. Just in the morning while I'm getting ready, yeah. I just have it playing yeah. in the bedroom, in the bathroom. It's just playing and I can listen to it. It was a, it was a, it's a ministry podcast. I'm not going to name it. Name probably it. a lot name of you can't yeah, name it. Yeah, probably a lot of you maybe even listen to it. Okay, you, you might even recognize when I when I describe it. But yeah, it started out with a guest, and this guest is hey, so great to have you on. Uh, he, he's a part of this particular church. If you don't follow it, you should. And uh, you got uh, how many? You got thirteen thousand people in your church, and it's you're really doing great. Hey, thanks for coming on and talking to us. And how I listen to it. Did I learn something? Hey, I listen to everything, right? Because I, I want to learn and grow. Yeah. But, 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 as a small church pastor, it's like, you know, it's like uh, Don and Betty up at the store driving down to Bentonville, Arkansas for an international merchandise convention <laughs> at the Walmart, you know, headquarters. Yeah. I mean, they've got a, they've got a little community store where they, they're connected with, they know the people that come in. Yeah. They call them by name. Yeah. They, they help out the community. Yeah. A completely different relationship than a Walmart is going to have with its region. Yes. And it's the difference between a small church and a mega church. Therefore, if you listen to something where the person is a mega church leader, yeah. just 
don't compare yourselves with that uh, as pastors and, and as churches. And don't don't feel like the little woman, the little man behind the little pulpit in the little church speaking to all the little people about your little <laughs> concerns. Because it, it can be like that. And right now I right now I have I have uh, my antenna up. I have the sensitivity factor that's high okay. for these podcasts that are s- alleged to be speaking to all pastors, but they're just bringing on the biggest guns. And honestly, it's a, it's a great environment to breed discontent, jealousy, and feelings of low self-esteem. Those are things we don't want. No. We're and, not about and that. So, so that's why on our podcast... That's why it's Johnny. It's just you and me speaking to pastors today, yeah. talking about stuff that's happening in our smaller churches. Yeah, because where where do I get to talk to some other pastors of smaller churches about small church stuff? Not very many places. This is it, man. You know, I'm going to the big little church conference out yeah. in the Portland area, and I'm looking forward to it just to be able to talk to other little church pastors, yeah. normal sized church pastors, normal sized church. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we now rejoin this episode already in progress. <laughs> okay. The third thing that normal church-going people wish their pastors knew or want their pastors to know is that people want to volunteer and they want to help out, but people are busy. People are overcommitted. They, when they're pushed to help on like more than one, two things a week, I, that's at the edge. It's not a lack of desire or commitment or commitment. They are committed. They have a desire to do it, but there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in their lives and it makes it hard. So I would speak to pastors who are 45 and older because you pastors lived in that other era. And if you're 55 and over and you've been a pastor for decades, you served in that other era in that other era. When we were looking for stuff to do in an evening, I can remember as a as a young pastor thinking, oh, good, we've got this going on on Thursday night, and then we've got Sunday and Sunday night, and then the following Tuesday night we've got a church activity. We were excited because not much happened, and you were looking for things to fill your schedule with. Yeah. Those days are gone. They're gone, man. They are gone. I yeah. sat with uh, a guy the other day and said, hey, if if this group were to meet – when would be a good time of the week for you to meet? And he just looked at me and he smiled and we both laughed. He said, yeah, he goes, man, this is the heart. I said, hey, this is the toughest thing that churches have to face is yeah. the calendar, the schedule. Absolutely. Nobody has margin. Very, yeah. very few. But we can't bemoan our people and then say they don't have margin. It's because they're not committed. I fall into this trap all the time of saying, well, make some time then. And there's space for that, okay? There's space to say make some time. There's space, I think, to challenge people. Prioritize. To prioritize yeah. and open things up. But don't mistake a person's inability, and I'll say inability, to volunteer for X amount of activities or do this thing or that thing with, the, well, they're not committed to the church. Well, they're not, they're not, you know, they don't care about what we're doing as a church. Man, a regular church attender in today's, the way we think about regular church attendance is somebody who comes to Sunday morning service twice a month. Yeah, exactly. That's a regular attender. Yep. Now, your church has people that come every week. Every church still has these people that come every week. Our church even has young people, millennials, who come 
uh, pretty much every week. I mean, that's amazing, that level of commitment. But a regular church attender comes two times a month, and they're busy, and they got a lot of stuff to do. And if you live in a warm-weather climate, they got more stuff to do, and they're more busy. Yeah. Yeah, and in our cold-weather climate, when it is warm, yeah, people are gone. People are doing stuff. And sometimes when it's cold, people are gone because they go to other parts of the country yeah. where they can get out of the frigid winter weather. Yeah. So, yeah, people are busy, and I think that church members would like their pastors to understand that that lack of involvement does not equal lack of commitment or right. lack of desire. Right. So what do we do, Jeff? I mean, as pastors in that type of situation, what do we do with people who who are committed but can't commit to as much as we'd like them to do well the one of the questions we could ask is is our church program heavy you know sure is is our schedule too full and have we have we either overextended ourselves by having too much going on with too few volunteers yeah. you know or or have our volunteer has our has our volunteer base shrunk a little bit sure. now i know that's terrible that's very discouraging to even say Right, but maybe you're when you're, maybe you've got the same amount of stuff facts, that you're trying. Yeah. yeah, you're trying to prop up at a hundred that you were doing at a hundred and fifty. It's not. That's a non-starter. And you're squeezing, you know, and you yeah. can see the tension with people, and you can see the frustration. Yep. When programs aren't getting the attendance they got, and maybe you have to pare down, narrow the focus, and make the decision what is going to get you the most benefit in your ministry. You can't do it all. Yeah, we you know we had a woman. Uh, in our church, who stepped away from one specific ministry, and she said, <laughs> "This is what she said: I, I've been doing it. I was never even really asked to do it. I just started doing it, and I got put on the schedule. <laughs> it's like, and and now I'd rather not do it." She's super committed to the church, and she's involved in two, maybe three other areas. I mean, I'm just asking a lot. That's a lot to ask of anybody in the church to have them involved across that many things. If I had taken her saying, I don't want to be involved in this one ministry as I'm not committed to the church, I mean, that'd just be a lie because I know that she is. Um, We have to be looking for people and making sure that we're not burning them out. So looking at your ministries and saying, oh, this person is involved in four different ministries golly, that's a lot. <laughs> like, But they seem like they're doing fine. So maybe a fifth would be good for them. Oh, certainly don't pair them back. <laughs> no, I remember I remember years ago, before you came, yeah. I remember there was a couple that was, they were involved in a lot of stuff. Yeah. And then they just, they had to pull back for a while. See, they were smart. They, they were one of the smart ones who recognized what was going on, because mm-hmm. this doesn't always happen. No. They they pulled back and they said we've we've been giving too much and we're getting burned out. Yeah, we just need to take a break from some of this. And they did that for about a year and then they reengaged, just not at as high of a level as yeah. they were earlier. And they're still at our church today. So yeah. after this episode, you could tell me who you were talking about, and then I'll tell you who I was talking about. Deal. That sounds great. Because I'm sure <laughs> in my in my paranoid pastor mind. The person you were talking about, they're on their way out the door. They're definitely they're not. They're starting to cut one ministry after another. Oh, boy. Here right? we go. And I can hear the pastors laughing right now. You you know it's true. You, you know <laughs> I, you think these things. When I tell you who it is, you will not think that at all. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep my worry at bay. Hey, sometimes people aren't involved, and you've heard this before, but I tell you it's true because they've just never been asked. And they want to be involved. They do. I can think of two people 
that I remember passing up on a list over and over when I was looking for somebody to do something. And I'd see their name and think, oh, yeah, no, they're not going to. They, they don't do that stuff. And, I, and then finally one time I decided, no, I'm going to ask them. And I asked them, and they said, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do it. We're like, you will? Oh, I mean, oh yeah, okay, good. You know, I tried not to, you know, show surprise. Don't act too surprised. Yeah, uh, feign coolness, but <laughs> and then they just they they wanted to. They just had never been asked. So I That's would great. encourage you, Pastor, to think about the people in your church that are not involved. Yeah, reconsider. Give them reconsider. Uh, give yeah. them another look and say, hey, maybe they just haven't been asked. And if they were just asked, then maybe they would want to get involved. The fourth thing that people want pastors to know, and this was surprising to me, is sermons matter. Hmm. Sermons matter. So we said relationships matter, and, yep. and maybe we even said relationships matter to the point that you started to think sermons didn't matter. Yeah, right, right. Uh, sermons matter. And I think that's important for us to hear, especially after the relationships piece, because sometimes we can think, we do this every week. Is this even, I mean, does anybody care at this point? They've heard it all. And if you've been in your church for a long time, maybe you've been around 10, 15, 20 years, they've heard it all. They've heard you say it all. Unless you had an epiphany last night about something brand stinking new, they've heard you say it. And so we think, does it really matter? Not only have they heard it all, Johnny, but they're hearing it all because we compete now with every other pastor oh, yeah. who speaks into a microphone because yes. it all gets recorded. And I had, I had a guy last week, he emailed me in response to an email I sent out to our people telling them that I'd been studying all week and that I still did not know what the salient thing was that I was going to say. And I was going to say on Sunday That's what morning. people love to hear from their pastor. Right, right. right. <laughs> so just trying to, this was part of our, you know, make the sermon longer. Right, yep. Start talking about it on Thursday and finish on Wednesday. Yep. You know, using social media. And so I just shot an email out there just to get people thinking. And a guy replied to me and he said, hey, now I won't tell anybody if you use this material, but the passage you're going to preach on this weekend, Andy Stanley has a great message on that passage. Here's a link to it. Man, this is a great sermon. You should watch it. And if you use any of his material, I won't tell anybody. And I thought, you know what? I, I mean, I think I'm complimented by that, or I think I'm encouraged by that, but I don't know if I am. Because basically, he's saying, okay, here's how Andy Stanley did it. Now, Pastor, do whatever you want to do. Well, if Andy Stanley did it that way, <laughs> what possible thing could you do? I mean, Stanley is arguably we love Andy. one of the top... Yeah. I listen to Andy Stanley messages, yeah. Of preachers yeah. in America yes. today. I mean, the guy just he hits a home run three out of four Sundays in the year. Three out of four Sundays every month. Yeah. And uh but this is what not only have they heard it all, but they're hearing it all. They can listen to anybody, anytime, anywhere, and many of them do. And we compete with the best preachers in America. And sometimes there's no competition. Let's just be honest. Sometimes we're no competition for some of these people who have such a huge staff that they spend their whole week prepping. But I think that's the point, is that sermons from a local pastor matter. Bingo. That Andy Stanley is going to always be Andy Stanley. and But even, I mean, quite frankly, 
Andy Stanley is not even a local pastor at North Point Community Church. I mean, he's Andy Stanley there as much as he's Andy Stanley here. Easy now. I'm not critiquing. Easy, Johnny. I'm just saying at that <laughs> level, that's what's happening. Sermons that are rooted and based in a community and are formed by a community. And Jeff, you talked about this on Sunday. You said, I get up here and there's things that I have in mind to say, and I'm thinking about how people will react. People that you know, people that you have lunch with, people that you sit down and look in the eyes of. It's not a critique of Andy Stanley, but quite frankly, he does not have that when he stands up there the way that you do. And so, This is the difference between mega church there you and go. normal-sized church. Pastor... Your sermon matters to the people that it's being delivered to, your group of people, and it will spark conversations among those people. It will get gears rolling among those people because they, you are part of the community that they are part of. You are sharing life together with them in a way that makes your sermons uniquely applicable to those people. The quality of a sermon is determined more by the preacher's relationship with the people than by the content of the message. Say it again. That's tweetable. That Say it again, quality, because we don't believe yeah, it. Yeah. Because we listen to Groeschel, Stanley, who, fill in your own person if you're Reformed. They're you got so your Platts, you got they your Boyds, so you got, and they're great. They're fantastic sermons. But we, we think, well, how could I ever? No. You could say it one yeah. more time. The yeah. quality of your sermon... Right. Is more... The, no. Yeah, the quality of the sermon is based on your relationship with your people more than it is based on the content of your message or the delivery of your message. Pastors, sink your teeth into that joyous donut of ministry truth today. Because you you can do do that. Because You, you can. You can do that one. You can have relationships with your people because, you know, you've heard this. Pastor, you've heard this. When somebody has an issue or a problem, they go into their daughter's room and the curtains are blowing in the wind and the screen is out on the grass because she's just run away. And they call you and you come to their house. This is, this is a relationship here. This is pastoral care. They called Andy Stanley, but he's busy at Catalyst. He, he was busy somewhere, right? <laughs> they, they may let, you know, you can listen and watch all this stuff. Yeah. But when you and your husband are looking into each other's eyes and you're ready to split and you call your pastor, yeah. then there's a relationship there that's so important. Yes. And that, that all those messages in, in their cumulative uh, effect on that person, yes. all of a sudden they give you the entree into the home. Yeah, it gives you the clout to actually walk in there and you got their ear yeah. because you're connected to their heart. And this yeah. is something that we as pastors can do. And we we fuss way more about the weekend message, and we should fuss way more about our relationships with our people. Yep. And then the weekend messages, they're going to travel on that relationship road between yep. us and our people. Yep. That is so, so important. And this is something that is unique and special in Small a smaller church. church. Yep. Amen, amen. So that's it, man. That's the four things that normal church-attending people want their pastors to know. And I'm glad I know these things. I'm glad because especially that sermon one, the relationship and the sermon one, uh, have made a difference to me today. I think that those are reorienting my heart towards small church ministry in a positive way 
today. Not that it was off, but it just reminds me why this is great. It reminds me of why this is so important. It reminds me that all of that stuff really does feel better and means more to me than if I was standing in front of 8,000 people on a Sunday morning. Well, whoop-de-doo, you know, I get to go cry with somebody and really get to know them and, and foster relationships anyways. So, Pastor, we are so glad that we were able to encourage you today. We hope you were encouraged, and uh, we're going to have some guests coming on, like Jeff said. Hopefully next week we have David Fitch. Uh, if you missed the last David Fitch podcast, get on that goodness while you still can. So we're going to have guests upcoming, and we are so glad that you were with us today. Thank you for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com and receive the guy's free PDF download called Our 7 Favorite Ministry Resources. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with another brand new shiny episode just for you. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love the people in your 200 church. You don't have to say so now. You can just say now. <laughs> don't. I'm not a puppet, John. I, I, I know I you hate the my, word so. That's I can the only. Put my words into my own. No, mouth. I, just, I know. I hate it when so. I have to edit. I edit so out just so, so much. That's what I mean. No, don't I, say. I'm so. say again, series. I forget. <laughs> now, what do we do about this? So, so what do we? Okay. So now, what do we do about this? What was the last thing you said? I uh, last thing I said was. So that's the first thing. Pastors make us, pastors make people nervous. I think that, you know, our, all of those are wasted words. Let me just drive right through this. A lot of times I leave them in just because they're, they're okay. They're oil to the conversation. That, you know. (laughs) You should hear some of this stuff. You should hear one that I pulled out. It was myself. (laughs) And then I just looped it. I was going to put it on as one of the outtakes, and I put four of them in a row. Oh, my goodness. Just spread it out.